some stories are stirring us and motivating us to be the very best versions of ourselves, to be awesome to each other, you know? And so movies obviously do this, books do this, good coaches and, and mentors are doing this. Um, the honest testimony of, of a, a recovering addict or, or a wounded person that's finding healing, those really move us. Um, other stories pretend to be speaking to our depths, but they're just leveraging fear, you know? Hmm. Um, so fashion does this for young people, especially, that you, you would finally be pretty. You would be shaped the right way if you wore this, but, but coffee can do it. I remember before I drank coffee, I was excited that a Starbucks was going into the Kroger across the street. I felt excitement and then realized I don't even drink coffee. That's how, <laughs> in, that's how part of that story I want to be. Uh, we do it with cars. We do it with politics. We do it with faith. People who do what I do for a living tell all kinds of puffed up stories that are really just leveraging fear. So there's all different kinds of ways to move people, to, to help people feel. And then when, once they do feel, well, it depends on, do, do you want something for them or from them? and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elfman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. And today, our focus discussion of the week is the art of storytelling with our guest, Steve Doggerty. And uh, Steve is an author, a podcast host, and a pastor and uh, what better way of a person to talk about the art of storytelling than a storyteller himself? So we're really excited to have Steve on and uh, talk about the art of storytelling today. But first, let's dive into our top topics of the week. And I'm going to start. Um, I had the privilege of going to the U.S. Open last you week. You are you're a fancy pants, by the oh. way. <laughs> it, you know what? This was a really cool opportunity. So I had this um, very rare opportunity to go and sit in the president's box at the U.S. Open. So, of mm. course, I was like, sorry, Matt. See you later. No podcast today because I'm, I'm busy going to the U.S. Open. <laughs> <laughs> but while I was there, I had a couple observations. And, of course, no matter what I'm doing, I'm thinking about marketing because I can't help it. And... I noticed something that is not typical of me to notice, and it has to do with fashion. I typically am completely oblivious to what people are wearing and what's in style, and um, something really stood out to me, and that was that the so many of the players were wearing purple. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but when you see player after player wearing purple, men, women, it was it was just it was really interesting to me. And I, of course, study colors and purple is the color of creativity. And I think it's, it's really interesting because in sports, you do have to, in order to have a competitive edge, you do have to be um, creative and you have to adapt to how the other player is playing. And you have to think about um, things from a creative standpoint. And I, I just, I found it really fascinating because I don't think that that is typically a color that people associate with tennis. Um, and 
I don't know, it caught my eye. So we're going to put a couple of pictures of some of our favorite players up so that you can see. Um, I would love to know if other people are following the U.S. Open. Um, as of the time of recording, the, we're right now in the semifinals. So by the time this comes out, we'll, have, we'll know who the big winners are. But um, another thought about the U.S. Open, because, you know, I want to talk about tennis all day. Um, I saw yesterday this amazing video that Jimmy Fallon did, and I have to share it. I don't know if if, um, people have seen this yet, but Jimmy Fallon went and gave all of these really well-known players ridiculous lines to say when they were being interviewed and they somehow worked these lines into their interview and I loved it this video is so funny definitely check it out um it's amazing that some of them don't laugh when they say this stuff but it really it made me um love Jimmy Fallon even more, but it also made me think of that is what marketing is all about. And today, of course, we're talking about storytelling. And, um, you know, I love this idea of just um, having a personality and owning it and having that carry through in everything you do and just having like letting that authentically be who you are. And I just, I love this video um, that, and how Jimmy Fallon got these competitive athletes who were in potentially really um, stressful times, like in the competition to just do something so silly and playful. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I, I have not seen that video yet. You just messaged it to me. I'm going to, ch- I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, but Jimmy Fallon comes up with some pretty funny sketches. I so. think we should do that here. Like, I think we should give each other words and phrases to try to work into our podcast and see if our listeners notice. <laughs> I, I I think we should. You know, it's like people, have you seen certain, uh, I, I know some realtors who they'll put, um, I, I don't know, a teddy bear with their company logo in in the house at an open house or when they take pictures of the listing and it'll be like giveaway prizes for people that can find the teddy bear and the listing pictures or something like that we could list out these are our secret phrases do you can you tell where they are or even take it to facebook and have our facebook group anyone who wants to give us something ridiculous to say in our next podcast share it in the group uh, and we'll we'll do our best to to say it without uh cracking up that's right. And a, an, an additional five points if you can say it with a straight face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. All right. So before we get into our top topic of the week or focus discussion of the week, I should say, um, I've got a couple things that to chat about real quick. So one, the main thing is going to be um, kind of the, the what marketing land is labeled the future of social but really what it's all about is it's all about story ads and because this is becoming a bigger and bigger thing that are driving results in in particular on the e-commerce and retail side of things which i think we can definitely pull correlations out into what we do uh but it it, and it's also kind of the circling back around i believe it's a year we're a year away now or not, not a year away we are one year into where facebook launched story ads um, because in the interesting lack of a better term no pun intended story is facebook tried to buy snapchat and snapchat wouldn't sell so then facebook just came out and said screw it we're just we're just going to make our own 
Snapchat and built it into the platform, which then became Facebook Stories, um, which we all know if you're an Instagram user as well, that that's also a spinoff from Instagram. And that particular category is growing quickly um, because if you look at the way things are laid out, you see your stories and stuff right coming in right across the top, no matter how you're scrolling. So bigger and bigger and bigger chunks of ad spends are happening in the Facebook and Instagram stories. Um, right now, it actually says that Instagram story ads accounted for almost 20% of the entire ad spend on that platform, just in stories. So really, really big thing. It's just going to continue to grow. Uh, to grow and grow there. So keep an eye on that, um, which then flips over into the other thing I was going to talk about briefly, just if you if they're going Facebook's going to start rolling this out, which is where they are updating the desktop layout for the Facebook platform. So when you go in, the whole purpose of it actually is to make it look more familiar or similar to the actual mobile app because that's basically where almost all of Facebook is consumed. Um, and so they're making that feel um, a little bit more similar. And, and if you, there's some actually screenshots in there where it actually shows stories across the top on desktop as well. So that's going to be, you should start seeing that in the next couple, week or two, they're going to start pushing that out slowly. It's pretty fascinating because it used to be that you tried to make the mobile site look like the desktop, and now it's just totally flipped. It's completely flipped on its head. Everything is mobile. I, I don't know about you. I, I even find myself sitting at my desk, and I will pick up my phone to either look at my calendar or even sometimes check a quick email, and, and even though I'm sitting in front of my computer. That's really funny. I actually look at Facebook on my desktop, but nowhere near as much as I would on my phone. Yeah, no. I, I During the day, I'm definitely on Facebook on desktop because I'm working. And right. obviously, we work inside of Facebook uh, and running ads and things like that. So, But if I'm not in front of my computer or if I'm not working, I should say, because obviously, if I'm not in front of my computer, but if I'm not working, I 100% consume Facebook inside the app not on desktop at all yeah so anyway um okay so those things those things tied together and then i'm gonna also link uh in the show notes uh, it's a recap and it's really about how social media and seo work together I'm not gonna really dive into this but it's an interesting read as a whole and how seos are are looking at kind of the 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 parts of social media, brand lift, brand recognition, uh, just different ways that SEO can play a part into the, uh, or I should say social media can play a part into the SEO side of things. Um, and, and kind of the one, one little, some little things in there, like making sure your open graph tags and are optimized. So when you share things on social, the right graphics come through, things like that. So it's an interesting little read. Just take a look. I'll put it in show notes for everybody. Uh, and what I love most is it's showing people's uh, snapshots of their Twitter accounts and how they're talking about it. And someone has a video in here of He-Man and She-Ra riding a, her unicorn I know it's a throwback <laughs> from the 80s molly did you watch either of those cartoons? of course of course that is too funny i love it yeah so anything that can involve he-man for me i'm i'm all in and oh by the way netflix 
is redoing He-Man. It's going to pick up where it left off. I, I feel like I saw something about it, but I, I thought they were focusing on the female character for some reason. They already did She-Ra. So if you were a She-Ra fan, you need to hop in there and, and watch that. But now they're going to take uh pick up he-man oh, as well all right so a little nostalgia <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome all right so here's what we're going to do we're going to take a quick break and then we come back we're going to dive into our focus discussion of the week and we're going to talk about the art of storytelling with our special guest steve Doggerty. don't go away this one's fun Right, and we are back from our break, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have Steve Doggerty with us. He's going to be talking about the art of storytelling, and uh, this is going to be a really exciting episode and really can't wait to dive in. And as businesses, as business owners, as marketers, salespeople, you name it, we all have a story to tell, and it's one of the things and one of the ways that we're able to connect with people. And I've known Steve for quite a while now, and I think he's one of the best storytellers out there. And uh, I think it'll be a really, really exciting and insightful uh, chat for us all. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, why don't, why don't we start a little bit? Just why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you, kind of your origin story and kind of the, the, your path, and then we'll, we'll dive in from there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to sit quietly in the glow of you telling everybody that this was going to be insightful and amazing and awesome. So, um, just this is this is the moment where that can still be true. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the longer I talk, you know, that starts to go away. No, I, uh, I, uh, I. Well, so I was born uh, like a lot of your listeners, and then I, yeah. I um, grew up. I, I loved to create. And I loved to to make and draw and tell stories and draw comics and do all that stuff. And then after school, I went and uh, was uh, going to be an art therapist where I was told I would make a little bit of money working with both young children who have gone through trauma and prisoners who need another way to articulate themselves. But then from there, I realized I could make a bunch of money in sales. And so I... Um, Kind of switched paths a little bit and i have sold everything from vacuum cleaners door to door to radio to uh, the things that make uh, the labels on the back of your t-shirt um let's see and a few other things oh ice cream i sold ice cream i was heavier in those years <laughs> uh and then uh as as I was going to say as luck would have it but that would be the exact wrong thing to say i i, I went into ministry i um my wife and I started with a with a church up in Ohio, and uh, the short version is one thing led to another, and I I became an ordained pastor, and uh, and really put everything I had learned, uh, for better or worse, into practice, um, working with people, and telling stories, and I've been so I've been a pastor for almost uh, for almost twenty years, I guess. Well, so so eighteen years. Very good. Yeah, and and Steve is uh, one of the pastors at uh, Crosspoint Church here, where uh, m my family goes, and uh, and in the Raleigh Raleigh area. Those of you that are 
listening and are in the Raleigh area, you should check it out. Uh, but Steve also left out. He has uh, he has his own podcast called Noises in the Attic, from. and he's also an noises from not in from. Yeah, yes, they're coming. They're emanating from. They are happening in, but they <laughs> they come out. Yes, they come out of. That's right. And he also left out. He is also an author, um, and his latest book, Experiments in Honesty, which is uh, a really good book, which you can check out on Amazon and any other places where books are sold, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I appreciate you plugging that. That's uh, that, that uh, a lot of what I just said is captured in that book, those stories, both from the Christian tradition. Um, so Bible stories told through maybe a slightly different lens, my lens, but then also just stories of my, my origin story. Yeah, it's, it's very good. And what I really find interesting is, you know, especially as, as a pastor uh, of a church, and how important storytelling is. And I think this will, you know, we, we'll continue to go down the path because there's some actually some really uh, additional, really cool things to talk about. There's these, you participate in essentially these competitions from storytelling that are around the city and uh, or different areas as well. Mm-hmm. And it'll, it, it's, it's really, I find it really interesting whenever I hear you talk about it. I, I was listening to your, one of your podcasts where you actually spoke about uh, the, the gentleman or spoke with the gentleman who started, was, is it the Monty? Is that what it's called? Yes. And it was a really interesting talk and, or interview, I should say. It was, it was really great. So I think be able to take this full circle about kind of how we connect with people, how we get the right message in front of people, and, uh, and how and why that resonates. Mm-hmm. But, but for you, what is it about storytelling itself that, like, what does it mean or represent or why is that important to you? You know, storytelling is uh, at its roots it's a way of reminding each other that we're all human beings going through really similar and often the exact same things but we're doing it from different perspectives and i I say storytelling at its roots because there's a lot of different ways to tell stories and we do but fundamentally it's that we're, we're all sharing different experiences and points of view all of us extracting meaning and noticing patterns and making sense of what feels like chaos and processing pain like we're all going through pain. It's just a, it's a, it's a matter of how much we're all asking to be validated. Um, uh, at, at that level, um, stories keep us feeling like our lives are going somewhere and it helps other people feel like they maybe their life is going somewhere. Maybe their life is going where yours is going. So storytelling to me is just a very human, uh, and under the banner of human, it's, it's ancient and it's diverse, but it's just a very human way of reminding each other that we're all human. Yeah, I, I like how you said ancient because as, as you were saying that, I was thinking it is. It's it goes back as far as it is as mankind goes. I mean, mm-hmm. before there was books to write in, it was storytelling on you know cave walls. You know, passing mm-hmm. it was how we educated people from one generation to the next before there was formal education. Um, and, and it's how the gift of being able to tell the story. And I also think that, yeah, I think that some people have that gift. I think you're one of those people that have that gift. Uh, but I also think that if, if practiced enough, and this is kind of where we circle about circle around and relate it back to the business perspective is it can also be a skill 
done properly that can be, you know, like a muscle that can be exercised and get stronger and stronger and get better and better at it. Yeah. I'm, so it's, I'm not breaking any new ground here, but we're, we're inundated with stories every day, and, but we, we call it advertising. So before we even, you know, apply the word story, we're, we're all being told stories on the hour, uh, driving down the road, being told stories. And so they're, they're everywhere. And so figuring out what kind of story you're telling, and this is where the word story can start to, it can start to become fractal because it's like, do I know how to tell my story? And do I know how to tell stories that include other people? And do I know how to tell the story of the organization that I represent? And do I know how to tell the story of the product that I'm pitching that I think is going to make both of our lives better if you're on board with it? And on and on and on. Uh, there's, there's, uh, being waking up to how much storytelling is already happening that we're already involved in, I think is super important. And I find, uh, that a lot of people just aren't consciously aware of that, that some stories are stirring us and motivating us to be the very best, best versions of ourselves, to be awesome to each other, you know? And so movies obviously do this, books do this, good coaches and, and mentors are doing this. Um, the honest testimony of, of a, a recovering addict or, or a wounded person that's finding healing, those really move us. Um, other stories pretend to be speaking to our depths, but they're just leveraging fear, you know. Hmm. Um, so fashion does this for young people, especially that you, you would finally be pretty. You would be shaped the right way if you wore this. But but coffee can do it. I remember before I drank coffee, I was excited that a Starbucks was going into the Kroger across the street. I felt excitement. And then realized I don't even drink coffee. That's how in <laughs> that's how part of that story I want to be. Uh, we do it with cars. We do it with politics. We do it with faith. People who do what I do for a living tell all kinds of puffed up stories that are really just leveraging fear. So there's all different kinds of ways to move people to to help people feel. And then when once they do feel, well, it depends on do do you want something for them or from them? And waking up to these these things, um, I think makes anybody a good storyteller, but you just have to be, you have to be aware that it's happening and that you're already participating in it. Yeah. I think you said something really interesting when you said, are you, you know, are you telling a story? Are you t doing it for them or do you want something from them? Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, even if you, you know, if you reflect back to your door to door vacuum cleaner sales or, you know, any type of, you know, it, your your old jobs as a salesperson. Mm -hmm. um, we're always telling a story. And I think when we look at that and we say, okay, am I, am I telling them a story with them in it? Am I telling them a story that's going to help them? Or is this a self-centered, self-motivated story? Which one is going to move people the most? Mm -hmm. And, and the, the word movement can be definitely put in quotes because whether you want, want them to move into doing something or just want them to move into motivating them to do something different for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, find, I find that very, very uh, an interesting, interesting part of storytelling. And it's not as clear cut as maybe some might hear uh, as we're talking about this. It's not, are, am I telling a story that it has self-interest or am I telling stories that are altruistic? Everything you do is selfish. 
and that's important to embrace. And maybe it's helpful to hear, to hear a pastor say that. And sure. There's no such thing as selflessness. Anybody that says that you should be selfless is is being immoral and they're 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 being cruel. No one's ever done a selfless thing ever. So it's okay, it's okay to be involved in the thing. You know, if I'm selling a product, I I deserve to be compensated for it. But I think there's a there's also the story of I'm trying to trick you and I don't you know when I sold vacuum cleaners door to door I didn't own one they were way overpriced but I used mm. your trade in but gosh when I was in your living room you'd think that I was selling you you know the fountain of youth I just I I told all kinds of stories well what finally wore me out was I didn't believe much of what I was saying and I don't think a lot of people believed what I was saying as a result. You know, people have internal BS detectors, whether they, they're aware of them or not. Oh, yeah. And so if you, if you can't believe in what you're doing, but you tell the story that you do, um, you're, you're, you're cutting yourself in half. And living bifurcated, is that's an awful way to live. And I know what it's like to need to pay the bills. And it's like, I got to keep telling the story. But ultimately, it's a really miserable thing to be telling stories you don't believe. For sure. And when you're either a not behind a product or it's just a means to an end and you, and you don't believe in it, it being whatever mm -hmm. people, like you said, the internal BS radar is, you know, people can smell, I've called, called it before commission breath. You know, they know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, you're just after a commission and you're going to say whatever it is that you have to say. So here, get some mouthwash for your commission breath. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but if you, if, I don't know if you have had the, if had these moments in your selling career, I know I have where, you know, you're selling something and then the difference is when you're, cause there's nothing and there's nothing wrong with selling something, but then the difference really comes into play when you're selling something that you wholeheartedly believe in, you become to me, it was always a shift into, I'm not trying to sell you this. I'm just, I'm going to tell you why I believe in it so much. And hopefully my story then motivates you to move in this direction. And it's okay if it's not, right? If it doesn't, that's mm -hmm. okay. I'm still ultra passionate about this thing. I mean, does that, yep. did you find that any of that yourself? Oh, absolutely. Um, a good story slash a good pitch um, should feel like an invitation. And if it doesn't, if you're trying to get somebody to do something you wouldn't do if you were in their shoes, but knew what you knew, then, um, you get a bad gig, man. And that's true for what I do too. Like if you won't smoke what you're selling, then you're, you're, everybody's going to know ultimately, because once again, you're, you're two people and not one. And that's just a miserable, miserable way to live. And so, but a good story isn't, it's, it's, uh, I don't think what makes a story really good is that I can't believe that happened or I can't believe uh, the outcome uh, at the end of the story arc. I think it'll just feel like an invitation. And that's super important to me at this point in my life. Oh, yeah, I agree. Okay, so how do you, so let's kind of, we'll get into a little bit of the nitty gritty when it comes to storytelling mm -hmm. and whether it's, because for your storytelling, obviously for your quote unquote job as a pastor, you, you put together, you put together, you know, the story that you're going to deliver mm -hmm. to the parishioners of the church and how that's going to, you know, and then you, you also, when you're going and you're doing these storytelling competitions, mm -hmm. 
I'm assuming that there's some type of framework or prep work that goes into delivering it the way that you want to deliver it. So then hopefully it resonates with the people in a way that you're hoping it resonates with them. So what, what does that process look like for you? Uh, that's a great question. I, for years, I have tried to figure out how to turn what I do into a process that is easy to articulate. And I've given up on that a little bit in, in recent years, not entirely, but there, there are some instincts. Um, let me put it this way. I would feel so much smarter if I could say, okay, grab a pencil, A, first, you, you know. <laughs> and I, now at this point, I, at risk of going all the way on the pendulum to shrugging and saying, I don't know. I, I think I just have some instincts after having done it for a long time. And so maybe that's advice, like keep telling stories and paying attention for what I'm doing. You know, on a Sunday morning, one of the things I'm doing is I'm always, and this is always true, um, I'm, I'm always up against a lot of expectations. Um, we have positive and negative experiences with faith and organized religion and all that. And so I'm up against a lot of that. Uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes I'm starting with somebody that's already, they already know kind of where I'm coming from. A lot of times I'm starting and it's a, they're not even at zero. They're at like negative five <laughs> and I get that. And I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. Um, there's an asterisk next to that, but I'm, you know, I'm really not trying to push anything on anybody, but, but I understand what it's like to start at negative five with somebody. Cause I used to sell cars and when my head was fishing back and forth through the tops, they can see me come as like a shark's fin coming at them. I recognize they're not happy that I've come across the parking lot oftentimes because now they have to engage. And so it's just it's being aware of that versus when I'm doing storytelling competitions. Um, it's I'm, I'm the same guy, but there's not I, I'm not starting at a deficit with anybody. There's not a lot of disarming that has to happen in that situation. So that's a major difference. And I'm not sure how many of your listeners that that's a useful distinction to make, but me personally, that is, that's the one major difference. The rest of it is um, I'm trying, I, I, if I'm telling a story um, or even a series of stories, I start with the end in mind. Like what, what am I hoping to accomplish? Do I understand the point of my story? And a lot of people, they're around folks that, you know, they love to tell stories. They've always got a story. But sometimes, and I, I don't split hairs this way, but it's it's a helpful distinction. Sometimes they're just little anecdotes. They're little scenes. And they're not so much telling stories as they're just telling you in a really hilarious way that they fell down some wet steps or or bought, bought a funny pair of pants that didn't fit or something. And when they're done, you've giggled and laughed. But it, that that's not exactly storytelling that, that I'm talking about. Or what I do in a competition, or or in you know some curated shows, being invited to go to a conference and tell stories. That's like, do I know how to tell the story? What did I say? Slipped down steps and bought pants. Yeah. So so storytelling is, do I know what those scenes mean and a greater narrative about? Uh, I, both of those had to do with legs. So do do I understand <laughs> why I have clumsy legs that don't fit into pants? I'm riffing here. That, that was that wasn't great. But you, you get like a, a storyteller is somebody that can pay attention to the patterns and pay attention to like, what does this mean? And how can I invite you into the story of this meeting, this meaning, this, this, this particular pattern? So anytime that I'm putting something together, the framework, I, I don't really have an ABC. I start with what have I learned about this thing I'm going to share? Do I know what it means? And do I know what it would mean for somebody else to be invited into that? And then... I sort of work backwards. 
And uh, that's generally speaking what I do. If I don't know what it means, it might still be hilarious. But if I get to the end and say, so anyway, it hurt, <laughs> then I, I, I haven't really told a story that other people can truly benefit from, generally speaking. Yeah, and I think that that's where a lot of us lose sight in general is, you know, telling, like you say, telling a story that it's inviting, it's an invitation to someone, but what benefit are they going to get from it, mm -hmm. right? What, and we see this as we scroll through our Facebook feed or our Twitter feed or Instagram or fill in the blank, just the internet. And, you know, so many things are just by this, but, you know, mm -hmm. we have to cut through the clutter of just in your face by this, by this, but we lose sight of what it actually means to that person and how it's going to impact their life. And so, and, and our audience is home builders, right? Mm -hmm. That's who our listeners are. And, and they have an, they have an opportunity they, that what they sell and what they offer literally changes people's lives right. because it's, it's, where you raise your family. It's where you live your life every single day. It's where your memories for, for the rest of your lifetime, it's where your memories are created. And it's easy for us, and I group myself into that, for us to lose sight of the benefits, the, what's, how it's going to make their lives better and not benefits as in let me talk to you about these features and benefits about why our homes are energy efficient and smart and, mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. Cause an old saying that uh, I've used for a long, long time is the definition of a sale is the transfer of emotion from one person to the next. And that's as simple and as basic as you can Love get. That. And in order to get that emotion, you have to be able, uh, you know, in order to transfer that emotion, you have to then kind of, tap into what makes your audience emotional. I think that's really well said. And I think you just defined storytelling too, that, that transfer of emotion. Um, and so for, for, you know, I've, I've never been a, a home builder, but I've lived in a few and I can, I can tell you that I would assume all your listeners do similar things, but have very different personalities as they do it. And so recognizing themselves as a particular kind of storyteller and then they're transferring the story to another particular kind of person. Some people might want to emphasize how what they do will not only be done at a certain pace, but the, the high quality. And they're going to recognize that this their particular audience, that's what they're looking for. They've maybe had bad experiences or this is going to be their last home, their, their forever home. And so um, quality is the story that they're telling. While somebody else, it makes more sense to for them to talk about. No, it's, it's that it's going to be special. It's not going to be cookie cutter. This is going to be a representation, an extension of who you are. And that story is the one that needs to be told. So it's not really just, we build homes like, like anything else. It's I'm paying attention to, as I'm trying to articulate in the previous question, reading the room, what is, what, what story am I best at telling and what story do you need to hear? And can I find a handshake there. I think that's the difference between needing me in the room or I could just mail you a pamphlet. 
and just pick the bullet point out that makes the most sense to you or just, you know, click something on the internet like you're ordering from Papa John's for the discount. And that, but that's not, that's not storytelling. You're not transferring the emotion like you just said. So I think what you said is really, really important. Yes. And it is. And and that's something that we, like I said, it's easy in the day to day, we get our blinders on and we just kind of dive into the stuff and, and lose sight of, of the emotion, like you said, reading the room mm-hmm. and, and, and understanding that. And so for you, what, I mean, in kind of going into more of the the storytelling competition side of things, mm-hmm. what are the things that you've seen that really, from your experience that make the audience wanting more or wanting to hear more from you? Um, you know, cause obviously a story has a beginning, a middle and an end, but the, if you just, if it's just plop, 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 it's just kind of like, okay, the story's done. Yeah. I think, um, gosh, I, I, I so it puts me in mind of very specific stories. I, the, there's a therapeutic benefit, um, of telling a story to a room full of people, um, both for you and for the people listening. And uh, I think that's probably what got its hooks in me early on is, uh, in these competitions or going to conferences where there's storytellers, um, there's a certain amount of therapy happening. And that was, uh, like I said, that's what got its hooks in me. I'm, I'm thinking very specifically about a, about a woman who pitched a story to tell, and I don't remember the theme, but it was a, a pretty interesting story that with a beginning, middle and end. And, uh, the, the guy that was kind of helping her kind of put the story together recognized that right in the middle, there was this interesting leap from one thing to the other. And uh, he, he, he noticed it and asked her about it. And um, long story short, and it, it's sensitive, but there had been a very serious assault right in the middle of this story. So she's, she's telling the story, you know, A, B, C. B turns out to have like B1 and B2 and B3. And it was the most significant part of her young years. And she, she just doesn't talk about it for all the reasons you and I would guess. And she, uh, of her own volition, she wasn't pressured to do this, recognized, wow, I tried to step over the most important part of that story in my story. And I watched her share this story live to like 400 strangers. And the vulnerability of, hey, I'm a human being and this happened and the, the silence of the room and the, sni- the followed by sniffles, a lot of other women sniffling. There was some resonance there, um, a lot of men uh, listening to it in a very new way. I could go on and on. Those are the kinds of moments where I realized, like, where else would this happen? You know, obviously, in a, well, in therapy, <laughs> but with one person, but but to say, I'm going to float this awful thing that I have had time to, um, to learn from and to see and to, you know, she wasn't speaking from, from an open wound, but from a scar that she has paid a lot of attention to. And so that was a, that provided healing for her and validation for her. But then there's 400 people in the room that I guarantee any, any of those people, if you could go find them, they could tell you that whole story, uh, is profound. And so that those are the I don't know where else things like that can happen. So I'm I'm really big, and maybe I have this bent because of my my uh, interest in psychology and what I do for a living. But the therapeutic benefit of human beings being vulnerable that way um, to trust 
each other that way. Um, there's just, there was a real unity. There, there always is a real unity in the room when that happens. How that translates to, and I, I don't mean this facetiously, how this that particular answer translates for home builders, <laughs> uh, I, I, it's, it's a celebration of vulnerability um, to recognize that you're more than two people playing different roles on either side of a desk or you know out on a construction site, that you're at least two human beings with a context, uh, ripe for understanding and empathy. Um, gosh, if we could all, regardless of what we do, carry that, the, the whole human story is just going to get better. Oh, for sure. Uh, the word I, uh, the word that's popping in my head is as you're explaining that is just simply authenticity. Yeah. I, I think that when you're authentic and like we talked about the, the BS radar or you're spewing mm-hmm. out your commission breath, but when you're authentic and transparent, I believe that people and essentially reward that. Oh gosh, absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 to the point of the 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 young woman being very vulnerable telling that type of personal story in front of a room of 400 people that she didn't know. Mm-hmm. That's being as transparent and authentic as you can get and those people reward that I think with you know the the emotional reaction to her story. Um, and I'm, and I'm certain personal reflection into their, you know, own lives. And because that's what I get when I'm, when I hear, uh, a really great story told, I, I'm enjoying the story, but sometimes, or a lot of times either during or right after I find myself reflecting back on how something it may not even be in her in her example, maybe someone in that room did had never gone through anything that she had gone through before, but it maybe triggered a memory of something else. Uh, and, and they they experience that again themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know they'll they'll for, I'm sh- like you're I'm sure you're right. They'll forever remember her story. and that's that's the reward is they forever remember that story. Yeah. And I've never been through what she's been through either and probably never will. But what it helped me do is recognize here are all these people walking around. I've known this woman for for years. Here are all these people walking around that smile when you smile at them. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. And, you, you know, they get their their quarterly projections in on time and they drive a nice car and all that. And they have an absolute hell inside them that no one knows about. You know, several people have been that this quote has been attributed to several people over the years, but uh, basically be kind to everybody because they're going through battles you don't understand. Mm-hmm. When you hear these stories from people who otherwise look like just, you know, John Q public, it's a great reminder that life, it's hard to be a human being. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and so the stories are great reminders. Even if I haven't been through it, um, I was way nicer to people for those weeks after that. Cause you know, what are you carrying? What's Matt carrying? I better be nice. Even when Matt's being a jerk, he might be carrying something I couldn't carry. Yeah, no, absolutely. You've never, you've never been a jerk to me. Uh, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. That's the first time I've heard that, but, uh, no, <laughs> I, 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 I could go down. There's so many rabbit holes I could go down because it, this, it, mm-hmm. it all fascinates me because I'm, I also really enjoy the psychology behind things and why people do what they do, what makes them want, make certain decisions. Um, so it, it, I could go on and on about that because mm-hmm. I just find it so intriguing, but 
you know, you're you're involved, obviously, as we've been talking about with the storytelling competitions and and now what do you and maybe this will help because uh, I asked an earlier question about what do you how do you prepare mm-hmm. when someone. So this kind of tags along to that that prior question. But when someone's submitting and you're you're essentially deter- helping determine if this person is going to go on stage and tell their story. Yeah. Or is there what kind of criteria do you look for in that story to make sure that, you know, it's going to meet whatever it is you're looking for? Yeah, it's a little bit um, what I already said, like, does this person even understand, uh, you know, generically beginning, middle and end? Well, sometimes people don't understand that doesn't mean that I start talking and then I stop talking. Um, It means do I understand? um, Have I been able to make this mean anything to me? Do I do I, you know, the silly example of, you know, falling down wet steps, like there's, there is this thing happened to me. And then there are, here are stories, um, little anecdotes and scenes that, that tell, that help tell the story of me that I'm a klutz, but I persevere, uh, that my parents said I wouldn't amount to anything because I always fall down the steps, but you know, now I work at, an escalator company or, you know, whatever. And so, <laughs> so I know, I knew how to, I knew how to incorporate those scenes into a greater narrative. And so um, this isn't just something I help people do if they're submitting a story for a storytelling uh, a conference or a competition or something even that I do, but like in counseling people, when if um, a lot of my job in counseling, and I think a lot of coaches and mentors and even parenting is this, it's reframing, helping uh, you know, like th- there are technical components of telling a good story w- and we can talk about technical things and there's way better than me and people who make movies or write books. And there's all kinds of different things that, uh, that, that you could say about that, but someone who has had things happen to them and knows how to frame their life in a way that kind of makes sense of all those stories. It doesn't explain them away, but just says, this is, this is who I am or in a counseling situation. Hey, hey, what if this thing that happened, it didn't happen for X reason, but what if X meaning could be derived from it? How could this make you stronger? How could this make you more helpful to somebody else further back on the path? So sometimes, sometimes what I'm doing to help somebody frame a story to tell for, you know, six or seven minutes into a microphone, it's the same kind of thing I help people do when they come into my office crying because they can't figure out what to do with all of this bad energy, these bad scenes, and they can't, you know, they, they can't see any daylight. Um, what about uh, reframing it this way? How does this, how can you tell this story with these scenes? And, and that is all the difference for some people because you have the same exact data, <laughs> your, your life. Um, but wait a minute, if you put it in this frame, now not only can I tolerate it, but now it's like, um, it gives me a sense of purpose. It gives me a, sen- uh, a sense of wisdom about my role as a human being on this planet. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I think you said, you said it well, you know, n- not just, you know, what do I do with this set of data, data basically. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that uh, one of the things that we talk about all the time is, Facts are always friendly. The, the data in front of us, it's one thing to have the data. It's another thing to understand 
what it's telling you to do or what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Whether that's in business or whether that's in life of your life's data and which direction to go. Mm -hmm. I, I think that was uh, very well said. And I, I, I think that you're, you're um, doubling down on a point that we've made in a, in a couple of different ways of just how storytelling is a way of being aware. Because we tell stories literally, but then we also tell ourselves stories. Like I love to have people write a timeline of their life. I didn't originate this practice, but have do this sometime or have somebody else do it to write a timeline of their life or even their organization from its inception to, to current day and do the highlights. And well, what you choose to highlight is the story you're choosing to tell. It's not all the data. It's you're, you're combing through the data to tell a particular story. You know, when I was eight, this happened. When I was 13, this happened. When I was 20, this did not happen. This did not get said to me. Well, that's not the whole story. That's just you, the way that you're organizing the data to tell a certain story. Um, and so we're all storytellers that literally tell stories, but then also sort of figuratively reinforce stories to ourselves and to our own group. And then don't even get me started on biologically that we're, that we're biological storytellers. Right. I, I heard a thing, um, uh, if you add up all the time you spend during a day with your eyes closed, it's just, it's hours of blindness for, for an otherwise seeing person. And then your eye movements from side to side, like if you look from left to right, you don't see a smear or a blur. You see what was on the left and then instantly what's on the right because your brain cuts out that data in the middle. Mm. So we're not dizzy all day long. So when you add all that up, you spend like, it's like half or more than half of your day you can't see, but your brain fills in all those gaps with stories. Yeah, no, it's it's sim it's the re same reason why you can uh, you know have a sentence and read a sentence as long as the first and first letter and last letter are the right in that word and all the rest of the words are jumbled up. Your brain pieces it all together as you're reading it. Yeah, uh, yes, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard that good baseball players, like pro level baseball players, it's not that they are able to see the ball all the way to the plate. Um, uh, I've read that what they're doing is they're able to interpret the data of the, I'm not a baseball player. If you are, this is probably, I'm way late to the party, but the way that the ball sits in their hands right before they throw it, because you, a human eye can't actually react as fast as the ball is coming. They know how to tell a story faster about what that ball is going to do. And so people who aren't pro like me, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know how to fill in the blanks, but a pro ball player is simply telling the story of if the ball looks like that, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to swing or not swing. And so that's a, that's storytelling. They're better storytellers <laughs> or better story interpreters. Yeah, they're doing it very, very fast. Uh, I was not a professional baseball player, uh, but I was a baseball player and a pitcher. But we, it, it, ironically enough, you said that uh, was, we were just talking about, I was talking about this with some folks last week. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the baseball in particular. So as the pitcher throws the ball, it comes out of their pitcher's hand and initially starts a spin. Well, they, you've, you recognize the spin and the rotation of the ball. Like, for instance, if you're throwing the pitcher's throwing a curveball, the, the spin of the ball is going to put a red dot in the middle of the ball. That's because it's spinning in the direction and it's spinning so fast. And what happens is, is the batter sees it as it comes out of the pitcher's hands and it's 60 foot, six inches from the, uh, from the mound to the, to the plate. And you see it as it's come, it comes out of the pitcher's hand immediately. And technically, physically, you don't see the ball until it comes back to you. You know, the last, let's just say 
three to five, you know, three feet or whatever it is, because Mm -hmm. it's traveling at 90 miles an hour and your brain has put the gap together and you have now figured out when to start your swing, you know, like the whole nine yards and that, that it's, it's, we're uh, we're making baseball sound way more exciting than it actually is, but let's be honest. It is right. (laughs) So, and I don't know how we got to uh, baseball to store. Yeah, it's great. Well, but think about storytelling. Think, think about the implications of what we're talking about, because you're talking about what to do with impressions. Um, that this is, this is like the same way, like if we're telling the story of, do I trust this person? I just, these first impressions that we have, do I trust this person? Or from a sales perspective, do I think this person's going to bite? Do we're making, we tell stories about, you know, we can look at somebody's shoes or their teeth and one, and then make up, uh, make up our minds from a, as a salesperson, is this person worth my time and my effort? And this is how prejudice and racism and all those things that we're all talking about uh, a lot and should be right now. It's certain stories that we choose to believe because we've been told that that's, that's probably the safest or most beneficial way to look at them. And so auditing that storyteller that, that works so fast and so completely filling in gaps because we can't stand to leave those gaps empty. Um, we're all storytellers. And we're good storytellers and we're bad storytellers. And so back to awareness, if we can become aware of the stories being told to us, uh, the stories we tell ourselves, the stories we tell uh, about ourselves, about others, the better we get at seeing that, the better we'll get, not you know, generally at being a human being, but I think it just enhances everything that we do with one another, whether it's sales or, or, or being a pastor or having a podcast, whatever it is. Awareness is such a a key component of being a good storyteller. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Okay. Um, as we kind of wrap this up, Mm -hmm. let's, let's get, let's finish up with some, with some fun, fun things. Well, all this was fun, but off topic, fun things. (laughs) Yeah. Finally, (laughs) let's enjoy ourselves. Go. That's right. That's right. Storytelling off of that. No. So what shows are you binge watching right now? Hmm. Not binge watching anything, but uh, there's a there's a show my wife and I are watching on Netflix, I think, and it's called Borderline. And it's essentially, let's see, how do I put this? So it's like whatever Great Britain's TSA is. I don't think they call it TSA, mm. but it's the same sort of humor as The Office. So it's the British version Uh-oh. of the American version of a British comedy. It's kind of, you know, it's, it, it's really, they have, it's like, there's a Michael Scott figure and, a, and anyway, so I've uh, been watching that just for some mindless fun, but I'm, I'm highly anticipating. I wish I could be compensated for this eager plug, um, but the good place, the final season is coming in a few weeks, I think. And uh, so, oh. so I will be, well, I guess you can't binge watch that because that'll be broadcast, but I will be watching that fervently. I love that show. Oh, good. I've never watched that show. I've heard good things about it. I'll have to check it out. You've got to push all the way through the first season. A lot of people, it won't click until the very last episode of the first season, and then you will be you'll be hooked. All right. All right. That is my personal guarantee. Got it. Check. All right. Uh, what are you listening to podcast-wise? What's your top podcast? Uh, I, let's see, what's his name? Uh, the, I, I listen to Ezra Klein's show quite a bit. Um, I think he has really fascinating, uh, people on his show. So, uh, highly recommend Ezra's show. I listen to the Pete Holmes, you made it weird podcast. He's a comedian and I listen to the liturgists, 
uh, quite a bit. They are, uh, it's from a faith perspective, but in a very different sort of way than you might anticipate coming from me, um, but just fascinating and well-produced and just, yeah, it's always, it's always very interesting and a, and a huge shot in the arm. Have you ever listened to uh, Mike Rose podcast? See their little five, seven minute story snippets? I, I have um, once or twice, not a lot. Um, okay. And I haven't even thought about that in, in quite some time. So maybe I should circle back. I think he does. A, I think he does a really interesting job of taking somebody and their story that you should once he says the name and who it's about at the very end, you're like, oh, I can't I can't believe I didn't figure that out. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's real. it's really interesting. Uh, and then here's a fourth one. Go, go. Um, the, the moth story hour. Um, since we're talking about stories, that's one I, I, I visit quite a bit. Um, but it's uh, it's storytelling. And you can hear the crowd and um, reacting to the different parts of the stories. There'll be celebrities sometimes. Sometimes it's not somebody you've heard of, but just breathtakingly good stories that are, you know, 10 minutes long or, or less. So highly, highly recommend. It's one of my goals is to be a moth story hour, hour uh, storyteller. So interesting. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, there's a, I'll, I'll give you one um, I really like. It is called How To with Charles Duhigg. Um he wrote the book, The Power of Habit, and he just came out with a podcast. And it's really interesting because it's uh, people will at, write in and ask questions of how to do something, like how to withstand pain, how to be funny, how to give your mom a kidney. I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the titles, <laughs> and this person has this problem that they're like, I'm trying to figure out, and then he will go out and find a quote unquote expert for that particular topic. Oh, wow! And he kind of plays it on both sides, you know, like puts their questions together and poses it to uh, the expert. One was how to rob a bank. Um, ironically, he actually interviewed a guy that spent time in prison that robbed like 32 banks. It, it's just uh, interesting. Another was how to be funny. And it, the, it was a pastor of a very small church in Oklahoma. And uh, he was trying to figure out how to use humor to better tell his story. And he actually, the, the Charles Duhigg reached out to, a comedian uh, in in New York City that helped him put together like how to be funnier in your message to your congregation. It's anyway, that's a really great great podcast. What's this podcast called? It's called How to. Just How to. Okay, yep. I immediately have a very strong sense of envy, which tells me that this is good. <laughs> this is. I, I wish I had thought of that premise. That is fantastic. It's really really good. All right, I'll check, uh, check that out. All right, last question. Hmm. What? Are you reading now, or what's a what's a good great recommendation? You want to give me a genre because I'm I'm one of those I've got I've got uh, a wife is angry with me amount of books on my nightstand right now because I, I just <laughs> I, I move back and forth to them. So do you have a genre? Just, no, just pick one or two out of your top five. Uh, let's see. I am reading. All the real Indians are dead, and twenty other myths about indigenous people. Um, I'm reading, um, glorious weakness, hmm. um, by a woman named, uh, Aaliyah joy. Am I saying her name right? Um, fascinating, uh, talk about pain and poverty. Um, oh shoot. I'm on the spot. And so the book won't come to me. It's by, oh, uh, it's called Aurora. It's science fiction. Okay. It's fantastic. Kim Stanley Lee. Is that the, I might be mixing names together, but, uh, yeah, he, he writes, um, uh, sci-fi 
uh, and just it's next level stuff. It's so good. Uh, what else? I, I'm, I'm restarting, I think for the fourth time, Cat's Cradle. I just love Vonnegut to a fault. Mm. Put me in a time machine and tell me I could talk to Jesus or Kurt Vonnegut for lunch and I would have a real conflict <laughs> on my hands. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's time for Cat's Cradle again. Wow. Uh, let's see. I I think I've got a, a book of poetry next to me. I can't remember who it is. Oh, oh, it's um, is it James? Da no, David White. It's his one of his recent books on poetry. Um, just takes your heart out of your chest and smashes it, which is good to do right before bed. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I love it. That's a that's a good list. I'll have to find those. I'll Google them and then drop drop links to to those books uh, in the show notes as well. And uh, well, good. And and Steve, what is if anybody wanted to reach out for to you, what, what what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, I appreciate that question. Uh, I have a website that's uh, criminally underused by me. Um, so Steve Doherty dot net, S T E V E D A U G H E R T Y dot net. And so there's links to my book, Experiments and Honesty, right there on the top of the page, and then um, some other stuff. Uh, and then also links to my podcast, uh, uh, Noises from the Attic. And so, but socially, uh, in terms of social media, um, I'm, you know, I'm on Facebook as uh, Steve Doherty or author Steve Doherty. StepDoc, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as StepDoc. The O is a zero. Uh, and then, yeah, I, 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 and if you're in the Research Triangle area in North Carolina, you can just come have coffee with me. So I'm, that's, I'm, I'm a big fan of just plain old human contact that still works when the power goes out. That's right. Well, you know, it might be hard to have to drink, the, make the coffee, but you can at least have a great conversation. A, a spoon of grounds and lukewarm water and <laughs> we'll still enjoy ourselves. That's right. That's right. Well, very, very good. I, I really enjoyed our time together chatting always insightful as always, and really appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, sharing your knowledge and sharing your passion for storytelling. I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Well, thanks for having me on, man. This was great. Absolutely. Anytime. And we'll have to do it again soon. All right. Thanks again, Steve, for coming on the show. That was really, really insightful. And honestly, which is all about what building perspective is all about, bringing a whole different topic to light. Hopefully you guys took some really great things away from that and can apply them to your life, can apply them to your business. Um, and anyway, I think it's just a really great, great, insightful episode. So, all right, guys, well, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of Building Perspective. And just remember, you can join the conversation with us in our Facebook group, Building Perspective, where you can ask questions, get them read and answered on the show. Hang out with us next time. It's been fun building perspective together. We'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.